Hey, welcome to the Healthy Steps with Nicole podcast, where it is my goal to help you see what is possible for your business, for your life, and for the sales that are going to get you there. Get ready to be inspired and supported while you launch and grow your health and wellness business. I'm Nicole Kramer, coach, sales expert, and health and wellness fanatic. Each week, I will be having amazing guest experts that will share with us their knowledge on mindset, money, how to attract your dream clients, successfully close sales, and so much more. Selling doesn't have to be hard. You can have the confidence and the clarity you need to create and grow your dream business. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another amazing Wednesday night version of me interviewing and having conversations with amazing people that I am so fortunate to know in my world, and Rachel Birch is one of them. So, Rachel, I am so excited for you to be here with us tonight, and I really appreciate you showing up to share all the amazing stuff you know. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for Yeah, you're welcome. So you are, tell us a little bit about you before we get started, because you do a lot of really cool things and I would love for everybody to hear about it. You know, it's funny that you say that because today when I was showering, because, you know, we all do our best thinking in the shower, I was kind (laughs) of thinking about what we'd talk about. And I always joke, you know, if you're around sales, you always hear the old saying, be interested, not interesting. And I'm always like, but can I be both? Because, you know, like, yep. And that was one of the things that I thought we'd kind of talk about tonight, like hobbies and things that you really incorporate into your life, make you more interesting. Like you have things to talk about. So it's funny that you say that because when I was, you know, showering um, and going through this kind of in my head, I'm like, well, that sounds really egotistical. Like I'm so interesting, but. But you are. Well, yeah. That's part like, of why people are attracted to you because you are interesting and unique in who you are. Well, and to go back to your question about who I am, like I have to work at being interesting. It's something, you know, it's part of the personal development journey. As coaches, it's like you just, you know, you work on your inner child, you work on your mother's story, your money story, and like your interestingness. Yep. And so I started out as an attorney. I always wanted to be an attorney and um, I practiced law for 10 years. What kind? Um, I did business litigation for five years and then I was in-house uh, general counsel for five years. And that was very difficult on my first day. And I worked for this large corporation that did a bunch of different things. And I'm sure you all actually have products that this company manufactured in your home because they license other names. So you're like, Oh, I have a sharper image clock. And I'm like, no, we made that. Or, you know, like Disney or whatever it is. My mom got me a hair straightener at Costco the other day. And I'm like, God, this is going to be from, and it's, yes, it's from my old company. Like everything is, they actually bought out FAO Schwartz. So all the toys that my sons got for Hanukkah, it was like, these are all my old, you know, you know, I learned that from a roommate I had a couple of years ago, he was in licensing and I couldn't believe how many products that were not made by the company that actually says that it's from, I don't know if I said that the right way, but yeah, I was, I learned a lot from him. I was like, Whoa, really? Yeah, That's yeah. not who actually makes it. They're just the one that sells it. Well, they bought the license. And so that's why they're able to do it. Exactly. Yeah. So I did the first day they were like, we have this Australian patent. Can you do a workaround? And I was like, I don't do patents. I definitely don't know Australian patents. Like what is even a workaround? Cause that was not what I had done. So yeah, I was there for five years. It was a lot of 
work and a lot of stress and kind of led me down the path of this whole like kind of just branching into coaching. But where I started with that, oh, and two nicknames that I earned just to complete the thought when I was an attorney at my last law firm before I went in-house were Bitter Birch and Destroyer of Fun. And yeah, I was just like super negative, super pessimistic. If you asked me if it was like glass half full, glass half empty, I was always like, I always look like to look for the worst case scenario because either I'm right or I'm pleasantly surprised. And so I was pretty much always just focused on like, I mean, that's what they teach you in law school. Like what's the worst case scenario? What could go wrong? Mm-hmm. And so that's where I put all my energy. And so great people impact. Like, yeah. People would come with a great idea and I'm like, well, what about this? And what about this? And a destroyer of fun. It doesn't go over well with people. I learned. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So you were laying down the law. They weren't happy. You got yourself some nicknames and what changed? What made you think this isn't for me anymore? So at some point in my journey, uh, someone introduced me to the book, The Secret. I think it was like a, you know, boot camp instructor. And I was like, I'm just here for working out. I don't, what? Give me some mountain climbers. Yeah, exactly. Can we do like the Shavasana? That's what I like. I'm here for that. That's my favorite move of all. (laughs) Brainwash me while I'm laying on the mat. So yeah, that's kind of where this whole idea of like being grateful and looking on the bright side and like being positive. I was like, things started changing. I was like, oh my God, this is magic. This is amazing. I want to do this more often. And I was still an attorney. I was still super stressed out. Um, I was in my early thirties and I went to the hospital on at least two, possibly three occasions thinking that I was having a heart attack because I was having such severe anxiety and chest pains and breathing problems. I mean, there's a lot, you know, general counsel is like the head of the whole legal department. So there was a lot, a lot on my shoulders and the sales team were usually the ones that were the biggest pains in my butt because they're like, Hey, we have this deal. We wrote it on a cocktail napkin. Like, is this, you know, good enough? And I'm like, no, that's a 10 page contract that like needs to be drafted. Well, when can I have it tomorrow? No, there's like 10 other contracts that have to come first. So salespeople are a real pain in the ass sometimes, aren't they? They want you to move mountains. I know. And they made made so much more money than I did, you know, as an attorney. And I'm like, there's something wrong here. There's something wrong here. So that's when I started looking like at all these entrepreneurs that were starting to like do these things. And they had a whole arm that worked with direct sales. And Mm -hmm. and so they had, it wasn't network marketing exactly, but it was similar. And I'm watching these people that were in sales that hadn't, you know, graduated high school and were making again, like so much more than I am. So it was nice to kind of see all these things, but ultimately I had my son, my older son, and he had severe developmental delays, like severe at 18 months. He was performing or conducting himself as like a three to six month old. Mm -hmm. And so I went part time to kind of help him through that process. And that's when I went back to school. And I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition to learn all about nutrition, so that I could help him in his journey in healing. And wow, yeah, without an amazing dedicated mama to say, I want to help my baby. Well, and he had a very serious diagnosis, which I don't really kind of talk about because that's his kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. But the diagnosis got reversed and he got completely caught up. Now at school, he's 11 now. They look to him as the leader. He's super kind. I mean, he's like, 
I have two children, so I can be totally unbiased because the other one, the little one is like a tyrant and he is trouble. But my oldest one from where he started, this is the feedback that like other girls, moms will tell They're like, everybody loves him. They want it. He's so smart. He's doing all these things. And I say all those things just because I'm, I am, I'm like health and wellness. When you devote yourself can change lives. It can change the course of people's just existence. I mean, everything about it. Yeah. And so what I was starting to tell you is that I went into health coaching for a minute, but I decided that I was too fat to be a health coach. And even though I had this miraculous healing, which anybody with a child that's dealing with that would pay a gazillion dollars more than someone looking to like get a toned butt or whatever. At that time in my life, I couldn't get past it. Yeah. So when you went to IIN, it was really, your intention was to find out what you needed to know to help your son. When I went to IIN, so the other wrinkle to that, which is also sales related, is part of the journey of helping him introduced me to, and I'm not in that business now, so this isn't like a veiled sales pitch, which is funny because it's another sales story that I'll tell you, but introduced me to a product that was a network marketing product Mm -hmm. and it was a health and wellness product. And so I started taking it, I had kind of seen the future of being an entrepreneur. I wasn't really thinking health coach at that point. All I was thinking is who's going to buy this from a a fat lawyer, you know, like I didn't have that story of my son. I didn't look like a, you know, healthy, it wasn't like gigantic, but chubby. And, you know, I've had that kind of story Mm -hmm. for a long period of my time. But yeah, so I went back because I thought I need a certification to sell this product because I don't look like a product of the product. Uh And as I learned about taking out partially hydrogenated oils and food dyes and all that kind of stuff and implementing it in my life, I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. And I still had the the product that I was, but like, I'm not a born network marketer. I have nothing against it. I love it. I coach a ton of network marketing people and I'm like, wow, it just like, hasn't been the thing for me because I get so excited about the coaching modality. And I did, I, my first health coaching client, you know, I am, they give you the thing and you're like, talk, talk about kale, talk about legumes. And you know, now people would be like, you're teaching people about kale. Right. Never know about kale. But back then it was just the like garnish in the buffet, you know, like around it. So my first client, you went to IIN? Um, I guess it was 2012. Was it the live version then? It may have been live, but I was in California, so I did it. Okay, online. okay, all right. And yeah, my first client, she came to me, she was an engineer. You know, you're supposed to go through spirituality, like the whole thing, and she didn't yeah. want to know about kale, and she didn't care about, I don't even know why she got the package. But one thing she threw out in our first conversation was that she and her husband had a two-year plan. She would quit her job. She was like a semiconductor engineer. And I was like, why two years? How about now? And it was like, ha ha ha, no, we live in Orange County. It's so expensive, blah, blah, blah. Well, by the next call, which were weekly calls, she had quit her job and got all these offers to be a consultant, making more money and being able to work from home. And so I was like, forget Kale. No offense. Oh my God, you're all... (laughs) 
but I was like, this piece of health and wellness changing their stress level, just because from where I came from, feeling trapped. So my first law firm, I was a couple weeks in and I thought, oh my God, I have made the biggest mistake of my life. I have, since I was like five, wanted to be an attorney and here I am now. And I actually was at a place where I was like, I can understand why people might commit suicide and think that that is a out because they don't have to disappoint their parents or their spouse or whatever. To me, the worst thing in the world would be to disappoint my dad, who's also an attorney at the time. And so fast forward, hearing people that are miserable in their jobs and feel trapped, I'm like, no, get out or trapped in a terrible marriage or trapped in fear or whatever it is. That was more like health to me or trapped with a terrible diagnosis even. And so you can't I, help I, I talk to people a lot about that. Sorry to interrupt, but I, I, I'm glad you said that. And I just want to make a point of it. I think everybody's interpretation of health initially is that it has to do something with working out and eating right. And although those are two elements of how to live a healthy lifestyle, I think there's so much more to it and getting out of a crappy job, really working on your mindset, getting out of a crappy relationship. All of those things are going to improve your health because they're going to improve you. You're going to feel better. You're going to be higher vibe. And I think, you know, I have a lot of people in this group who, when they first join, you know, there's a lot of health, like specifically health coaches in here, but every now and then I'll have somebody who's interested in joining. And they're like, well, I'm a mindset coach. Is that okay? I'm like, you're a health coach. Like you might not call yourself that. And I don't care what you want to call yourself. You can call yourself a relationship coach you're a health coach. You're helping somebody improve their life in a way that will allow them to enjoy it and experience it more fully. Yeah. That's health. There's so many elements. I had a client, she sent me this budgeting app and I I get like the best resources for my clients. And so I had this line item like health and wellness. And I was like, no, there are so many, I mean, now it's a category health and wellness. And then there's like holistic modalities that's like the catch all for the stuff that I'm like, um, I just ordered this EMF crystal bracelet off of Etsy. Like, do I put an EMF like line item or do I just put it under holistic modalities? But there's like so many different pieces of health and wellness. And I think from a sales perspective, when you're not trying to sell what your version of health and wellness doesn't look like, then you just can't help but sell it. I mean, I have so many people that when I talk to them at networking events, they're like, okay, so you coach about, because I'm so passionate about getting rid of all the crap in your food. I'm like, no, that's just like my, I've just, just my jam. I just like talking about it. Anyone I'm talking to is going to hear about that. But you know, because typically you're not just schmoozing over like, I hate my job or my husband, or it's a lot easier to be like, well, maybe you want to stop eating those food dyes because they are a neurotoxin. Right. Look at you go. (laughs) I love that. Pointing out the food dyes, all the crap that's in the food that we eat. And it just, yeah, that's, I, I, I really appreciate that you said, you know, health is about more than just eating right and working out. So, oh, yeah. oh yeah. You know, and one of the things I loved about IIN, I don't know if you remember this part, but my mind was blown because when I went to IIN, I was already plant-based. I was vegan. I'd been doing that for a while. So I felt like they were preaching to the choir about certain things where like, I already bought into it. I didn't need to be convinced. I am so in on this lifestyle. But what blew my mind is when Joshua very early on started talking about primary food, 
and secondary food. And when he first mentioned it, I was like, well, of course, primary food is going to be the, like the kale and the, the lemons and the, you know, the help. And it wasn't. And I was like, what the hell is primary food then? And it made so much sense once it was explained to me. And you saw that circle of, of life, the little pie chart with all the things that like fill you up in the primary food category. And secondary food happened to be the kale and the smoothies. And I love, I, it's a meme and it's something I've heard tossed around many times before where it's like, it doesn't matter how many kale smoothies that you drink. If you haven't gotten your shit right inside, yeah. it's not going to make you healthier. Yeah. And that was mind blowing for me when I joined IAN. And, and that's really why I know and fully understand health code. It's about more than just you helping somebody eat right. There's so many more layers to it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, and that was when you started to say that I was like, oh yeah, primary food is where you're supposed to be fed from. Yes. And it was like, yes, spirituality yes. and friendship and community and your job, yep. you know, it just... Joy, cooking, relationships, like all of it. What makes you light up about life? What makes this life worth living for you? And a kale smoothie is not what makes it worth living. It's what fuels you to live. But what makes it worth living is all those primary food categories, which anybody who works on any of those with anybody is a health coach. Yeah. I love that. So we're at your journey where you've gone through or you're going through, no, you've gone through health coaching. You get out and you're like, who am I to be this health coach? Because I don't look like one but you got your first client and you ended up helping her quit her job. Yes. Which is amazing. Well, and so before that, I always think this funny, this story is like hilarious because when I got into this network marketing business, I created a domain as you do, you know, and an email attached to the domain because in my mind, I mean, I was an attorney, like I never had to do sales. I am the person, if you want me to collect money for a walk or if you want me to fundraise, I'll okay. give you money, but don't ask me to ask other, this was back then, don't ask me to ask other people for their money, that would be awful. And so coming into selling, a, you know, we'll just call it a vitamin for purposes of this, coming to sell a vitamin to people and trying to convince them like why they should have it or whatever was awful. So I thought if I get an email that has the name of the vitamin in the domain, then people are, because I do this, are going to go, Oh, that's so interesting. I wonder what that is. I'll go to the domain and then I'll let the company's website sell the product instead of me having to do it. So this is a genius plan, except anytime anyone asked me for my email for anything, just anything, I would always preface it with, as I did earlier in this video, I'm not trying to sell you anything. (laughs) But, and then I would tell them the email address, like a crazy person. I was so hyper concerned. I'm not trying to sell you anything, but I'm going to sell you something. (laughs) Well, it would be like some mom wants to invite me to like my email address for an Evite. And and I'm like, I'm not trying to sell you anything. She's like, I'm trying to invite you to a birthday. You're weird, which is kind of the topic here about energy, right? Like if you're so closed off and paranoid about someone seeing you as being salesy, you are going to like trip over your own tongue and just look like a total alien. Totally. Don't do it like I did it, but I didn't think it was a big deal at the time. Looking back now, I'm like, you are crazy. Well, looking back, you see it for what it was because you were really just hiding behind not wanting to sell and you were being salesy because of it. Yeah. And I think that's what people fail to understand or fail to be aware of because they're so busy trying to avoid being salesy that they're attracting the salesiness onto themselves. 
And I get that it's not comfortable. And I think we've all had that experience of being new at something and not knowing how to ask somebody for something. And, you know, it's, it's hard to ask for the business at first, but I do think that's the big miss that people have where you're being salesy by trying to not be salesy. Yeah. Like you're going to pull one over, which energetically yeah. is there. Like people can tell when you're trying to like trick them or lead them astray. And you're like, you I didn't can, you're not trying to like trick them, like push them into your van and drive them, you know, to Mexico or anything. You're just trying to not appear salesy when you are. You are, salesy. you are. Well, and the other thing is, and, and speaking of energy, you repel clients. And, and I have a lot of people who are like, I don't want to be salesy, but I don't have any clients. How do I get my, how do I get my clients? And I'm like, well, you're so busy telling the universe that you don't want to be salesy that the universe is like, don't worry. We won't make you do anything that feels uncomfortable. So yeah. we just don't bring you clients. It reads into whatever you want. It's going to give you. And when you're so busy trying to avoid being salesy, you're not going to attract clients because that's your energy. Like attracts like. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's why it's so important going back to like, whatever your version of health is, it can morph over time. Mine, mine sure has. Mm-hmm. My, until recently, my ideal client has been like a depressed, lonely, you know, unhappy entrepreneur because Mm -hmm. I've been there. It's awful. And I'm like, I want to save them. But as soon as I was able to do enough work to get through my savior complex, I was like, you know what? I want to work with people that are excited about life and are, have a vision and they want to get there now. Like I've had two clients now of the pack that have taken, come to me with a two-year plan and we've collapsed it down to a two-week plan. And it's like, I mean, I'm like, ah, it's the best feeling. And so this last week I had a a new discovery call and I was kind of like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I almost had her convince me that we would be a good fit because I honestly, one, wanted to be of service to her and two, I'm like, again, energetically, I can't go there with you anymore. It's like being with like a friend that's like constantly complaining about the same thing over and over again. You're like, I can't go there with you anymore. I need to preserve my energy. And this is actually going to, there are calls that I call. And when I'm like, I'm a genius, which I know I sound like an egomaniac. I promise I'm not. But when I'm like, yes, I mean, I'm sure you guys have had those calls where you're like, oh my God, my client just had a breakthrough and I feel like a badass for helping them, you know, that way. I only want that. Those are the only calls that I'm available for anymore because, oh, I'm like, wah, wah, wah. You know, I've been there and I'm not there. And like, there's other better modalities for you. Well, And like you said, with the savior complex, you are attracting a victim mentality. And that's a really tough space to facilitate transformation from when you're battling their desire to stay in the victim mode, which is really what they're doing. And the more you're available for that, the more they're going to stay there. And I know that because I played that mode for a while and I was really good at it. And I allowed myself to stay in victim mode. And I think you attract those kind of people because you're like, I can save everybody. And and a lot of health coaches do that. They don't want to, I know this is something else we're going to get into, but they don't want to niche down because they're like, I want to help everybody. I'm like, well, first of all, that's salesy and weird because you can't, it's just not possible. Second of all, you're helping nobody. You're helping nobody by trying to help everybody. And third, not everybody wants help. Yeah. And you need to get in reality with that. Like you don't get to go up to an overweight person walking down the street and say, I can help you lose weight. He might not want to. And so you have to attract, which I know one of the things we're talking about, you have to attract people who are already looking to solve the problem. Yeah. 
not brand new people that you're going to energetically get into this convincing energy of like, let me show you how, no, no, this isn't about you proving your worth. This is about you attracting people who are already looking to solve the problem and want to solve it because they're the ones who are ready to pay you to solve it. Oh, I could say so many things about all the things you just said (laughs) because these are, you know, healers. I mean, health coaches are healers is that that particular client who ended up, we did come to an agreement that like, we'd actually be a really good match. So we are. Oh, good. Congrats. Thank you. But one of the things I said to her, because she's also a healer was look, because she said, you know, I want to heal people and drains me and all that kind of stuff. I said, great. You can heal people, but just don't get attached to their outcome. You can give them the healing. You can give them the tools. You can do all the things you do. But the only thing is like cut the cord of like, they have to be healed at the end because that's on them. So selling starts the whole process of healing. And if you're coming from a place of like, I can heal you, or I don't know if I can heal as long as you can own that you're going to show up as the best you that you possibly can. That's what really shifted for me in the sales was like, oh, I don't have to take responsibility for their results. I just take responsibility for me showing up and doing my thing as I do my thing. And they're going to do with it what they will. And it's kind of like releasing people pleasing and codependency and like all the work. So it's a lot harder than it it sounds, but those are the pieces. And then when you go to sell something, you're not attached to whether they buy, you're not attached to whether they heal. You're just like, dude, this is what I do. It's pretty cool. If you want to do it with me, great. And if you don't, like, I can give you some resources. You know, I learned that when I was a teacher, I learned that because I could show up and do the best job in the world as a teacher. And I did. And there were still kids that failed my class. And I guess the difference in being a teacher when you're doing it, the class is full of 30 kids and you feel okay knowing that the majority of them did pass. So you're not completely looking at it as, oh my God, I've, but still you do start to take ownership. And I finally had to own that it wasn't my fault or my problem. And I couldn't be attached because here's what I, here's what I would say. I actually looked it up, Miss Lawyer. You'll probably be able to confirm this. Kids have a right to fail. And somebody said that to me once. They were like, legally, they have a right to fail. Nick, listen, if they want to show up and not do any of the work in your class and not do anything to pass the class, they have a right to do that. And it used to kind of make me mad at first when I heard it. And I was like, but why would they want to fail? And then I realized I can't become so attached to what they want or don't want that it takes me out of the game and showing up and being the best teacher I can be because there aren't kids. There are kids in, in my class who don't want to fail. And I owe it to them to show up and do what I do best for them and not worry about the others. That's their choice. And I, I learned a couple of years ago in my coaching practice, I had to reflect on that as a teacher so that I could remember, you know, they paid me the money. I'm holding the space for them to show up and do the work, but it still has to be their choice to do the work. Absolutely. I can't, you know, we can lead a horse to water. We can't make them drink. And I think that's tough because we do, like you said, we're health coaches. We come from a very generous space from a very strong desire of, of service and intention around helping people. And so it's hard for us to understand that maybe everybody doesn't want the help. And even when they say they want it and we sign them up and we work with them, we still can't make ourselves wrong if they don't do the work. For sure. And that's again, part of the sales process. When you, I was 
purposely avoiding sales for a period of my career because I dreaded bringing on more like energy vampires. Yep. So it it was all subconscious, but it was just kind of like, you know, it was like, I remember one of my coaches was like, well, what would it be like to have 10 more clients? I'm like, awful. It would be awful. It would be so awful because aside from the money, which would be nice, energetically, it would be exhausting. And now I can say, I, I mean, am like, hi, when I get off the phone with a client, yeah. because yeah. I put those boundary, another, you know, personal vote, put the boundaries in place. So, and I laughed when you were talking because here's my like guilty pleasure right now. You guys can maybe, some people get triggered when I say this, but maybe appreciate this as health coaches. So I'm on a weight loss journey and always have been, but like I did the Tony Robbins, like UPW virtual one that just happened. And finally, I'm like, you know what? I'm, this is it. This is the time I'm getting fit. And I have to say, like, I'm doing things differently than I ever have, which is awesome. But my guilty pleasure is when I'm on the elliptical doing the cardio portion of my weight loss. I know it's not all about cardio, but when I do the cardio portion, I watch Revenge Body with Khloe Kardashian. And I have to say, there's always a lesson. I'm like, oh my God, I should send this to a client to watch because I have one client who and she's like super fit. But the two episodes were these women, the whole reason they were doing their weight loss journey was to get these men back. And she had just broken up with someone. I'm like, no, that is not the reason to do a weight loss. Right. You're going to fail if you do it for someone else. And then there's been two where the people just have really bad attitudes and they just quit in the middle. And you're like, oh, but I wait, like, oh, uh, but you could have kept going and you could have, yeah. yeah. Like, they gave them like celebrity trainers they gave them celebrity they gave them everything everything you needed to succeed yeah and they're like no I don't want to do it you're mean and so I'm thinking not that the school children are the same but it's like you can't go home with every single person and hold their hand through the process even though our hearts want to as soon as you give yourself permission to like guess what that's their journey interrupting their path of learning it's like eating a horse to water. It's like teaching a man to fish. I can give you all the little analogies, but you can't do it for them. In fact, you're, it's detrimental to, to insert yourself in the middle. It'd be like ripping open like a cocoon when the caterpillar is like, wait, I just need some extra time in here. It's cozy. I'm not ready. You know, like they only have one wing. They're half caterpillar and half butterfly. You can't do anything. You can't survive in the wild like that the same thing with people. So once you're like, yeah, I don't need to save everybody. I'm just going to show up, do my thing, teach them about kale, legumes. We'll talk about spirituality, whatever the agenda is and release it. Selling it is so much easier. So much easier. And I think you also, not only do you become unattached to the results, but you mentioned earlier boundaries and you setting your boundaries, not just around your ideal client, but the type of ideal client that you want to bring in, like not somebody who's in victim mentality, not somebody who's an energy suck, not somebody who's going to make me feel like crap when I get off the call, but I want to feel high when I get off the call. I want to feel really good because they showed up energetically in the same space as me. And I think we owe it to ourselves to really be selective and qualify. I mean, there's many ways, obviously, as you know, to qualify, we're going to talk about a couple of them here tonight and and how you're attracting people to you. That's the initial way to qualify. Who are you attracting to you? How are you showing up? And then obviously, once you get down, you know, down a couple of steps and you have somebody on a call, there's another opportunity to really even more specific opportunity to qualify when you're on that call. And just like you mentioned earlier with the client that you had this week where 
you were like, well, let me, let me make sure. I don't know. And I've had calls like that before where people are like, I'm ready. Where do I sign up? And I'm like, hold up. <laughs> let me ask you some questions. Cause I need to make sure that this is going to work. So I just want to know where your headspace is at before we move forward. Cause I'm not going to be out of integrity and take you on if I really feel like it's not a good fit. And I think it's so important for us to do that, not just for ourselves, but for the client, we want to make sure that we really can provide what we're saying that we're going to provide. You know, like you said, um, we want to make sure we can fulfill what it is we're saying is going to happen, but then it's still up to them to, to show up and do it. So I need to make sure you're going to show up. Well, and you have to do it not only for the client and yourself, but like literally everyone that comes in contact with you after that call, Yeah, your children, your partner, your neighbors, their dogs barking. And you're like, you know, like you're either going to call animal control because they're like, I don't know, doing something crazy out there, or you're going to go over there and like bring them some dog treats and it affects literally everything else. And so you have to, and what happened for me was, I have a friend that went through a book writing course. Very, I had referred her to this woman and it's a very prestigious book writing course and they teach you how to sell with your book, right? There's a lot of reasons to write a book, but this is how to sell with a book. So she walked me through it and she said, the number one thing is the title. The title has to speak, just like you're talking about niching down. The title has to speak so that the person is like, this is me. And so I'm writing a book and I'm thinking, I go, oh, what about, I can't even remember what it was called now. It was like something like the feminine art of achievement. That's what it was. The feminine art of achievement. She's like, no, it can't be that. I'm like, but that, can that be like the subtitle? It's like, great. She's like, no, nobody knows what that is. And so we're brainstorming. We're brainstorming. Went to the Ritz in Laguna Niguel because, you know, energy. It's better than at the Starbucks when you're trying to come up with your book. There's a Ritz in Laguna. That's good to know. Carly, make note of that. Carly's my community manager who's watching (laughs) I just told her, I was like, let's go to a really cool hotel somewhere in Laguna. And yeah. you just spoke okay. to me. Yes. Yep. I, okay. It will blow your mind. It's the best yeah. post. It's where I got married. And uh, then, yeah, it's, I love it. Hey, I'm interrupting you real quick because I know you're enjoying this podcast. And I know you're listening to this podcast because you care about your business. You care about the people you work with and you want to help people. As a matter of fact, you want to help more people. But I bet you often ask yourself, where am I going to find clients? And I've got your answer. I have a free training video for you. It is called 33 Places to Find Clients, and it comes with a workbook where you can take notes on all the 33 places that I give you. So I want you to get this downloaded. It's free. Get it today because ultimately it's going to help you understand where to go every day to interact with people so that you can start to get more clients and help more people, which is the goal of all of this. So go to healthystepswithnicole.com backslash 33 places, download it, Watch it. I can't wait to hear from you and hear what you think about it because this is going to be a game changer for you to know every day where you need to go and what you need to do to find more people to become your clients. Okay, now back to the show. So anyway, this was the title that we came up with. It's not the title because everything changed after this, but the title was, I've done all the things. Why am I still not happy? It's a great title, except for literally every single person that's going to pick it up is not happy. So now everyone, that's who I wanted to serve. But then I'm like, oh my God, this is all the people that are going to read it and come to me. And so it's like calling it in. And so that in that moment, it was like, oh my God, 
I don't have to settle for the single ladies. You know, sometimes as you get older or whatever, you're like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe, uh, maybe that guy's not so bad. He maybe has fear belly is something I can live with. It's okay. That's what I was doing. I realized with like the client niche and the week after that happened, I had two random discovery calls, just looked onto my calendar, no idea who the people were. I hadn't done anything to like put out a call for discovery. So it was really, really random. Both women, I was like, I felt really, really, really sad for them. And after the call, I was like, this would be pulling them along. It was very, and I've been a victim mentality. I've been there myself. And like, I don't want to go back. I will happily help. But what I realized was then I had a lot of friends that were showing up that had a lot of stuff. And at the end of the day, I was like too exhausted to even deal with my friends. And I was like, that's not the kind of friend I want to be. I want to be able to, if my friend's having a hard time, I mean, I have my friends come and they're like, Rachel, you always have the right answer. You always, you know, know what to say or what to do. I want to be that friend again. I don't want to be like, are you serious right now? You're going to complain about some other stuff. Like, I don't want to hear it. I just listened to, you know, 10 calls today doing that. Right. I don't want to be that I'm over it. Yeah. So that's when it was like, no, two years to two weeks. That's it. And that's a niche. But for me, it's like, and that's not exactly how I'm going to phrase it because a lot of people don't know they have a two-year plan, but it's gotten me to like, those are the people, those are the people I want to work with. I want to work with the people that like, kind of like the Jessica Alba or the Gwyneth Paltrow, not to be actresses, but they've had some level of success and they have this dream of maybe launching a health brand and they just need to get over that. But like maybe in a couple of years, it's like, no, let's launch it now. So that's a very specific group of people. But if I have my calendar full of those people, at the end of the day, not only am I going to feel fulfilled, but that is going to bring me to the next level. You cannot surround yourself with high level friends, clients, whatever, and stay small. You can't do it. It was a, um, a lesson I learned, I don't know, maybe like close to a year, maybe a little less than a year ago. But my messaging was, around not getting clients. So I'm a sales coach for health coaches, right? And so my thing was, are you not getting clients? We need to talk. Are you frustrated about not getting clients? We need to talk. Well, then I worked with some people who were frustrated about not getting clients. And all I got was excuse after excuse after excuse. And I realized they were just really busy fighting for their limitations. Yeah. They weren't even open to possibilities. They weren't ready to, to, to step into what's possible for them. And I was like, well, this doesn't feel good. And like you said, it's, it's draining and it's hard because you're constantly battling. There's no progress. It's just a matter let, let me battle you on your limitations every time. And like, I don't want to show up and battle you every time. I'm not here to convince you of something. And I switched my messaging was, was low vibe because it was, that, that's what it was attracting. It was about not getting, are you not getting clients? Come see me. And so I switched it to, are you ready to get your next five clients in 90 days? Yes. That speaks high vibe, that speaks possibility, and that changed everything. And I, you know, that's another thing. Like, I'm a sales coach, so I like to stay on my lane, but I also understand how important messaging is. And I've started to develop a certain a certain skill set for it because I, I understand that's how that's part of the way that we attract people. I think the biggest way we attract people is literally with us on video, just being who we are, because technically somebody could write our post for us, somebody could write our email for us, somebody could, but when we show up as us, you know, in our truth, it it's Nobody can replace that. Nobody can be us. But that made a big difference for me in the type of people that I started to attract. And I attracted people who were ready to take it. Like, okay, what do I need to do to get my next five? 
not why am I not getting any clients? And that was such a difference for me in my day and in my client sessions. Well, and that goes back to the whole like settling. I think oftentimes we don't want to niche down. It's because the niches that we come up with are like settling. This is kind of a random example, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I love this story. So after my divorce, I was like, you know, I'm in my forties. I have two kids. Like I'm going to probably have to end up with like a, and I apologize if anyone's married to this description of a person, but like a 50 year old bald accountant named Bob, you know, I'm like, that'll be the guy that like, I'm going to end up with now. And it's a long story. But at one of the coaching events that I went to, our friend Cassandra, before I knew her came up to me and was like, I believe that your future husband is going to be in Colorado. So through this crazy, that. yeah, that was in the France there. Was that in Cancun? No, it was in the South of France. Okay. Then I wasn't at that one. Maybe I've heard you tell the story before. I feel like I remember this, but keep going. I told it on my podcast. So if you've listened to any of the episodes, that's why that, that must be how I've heard it. Okay. Keep going. It's a long story, but the shortened version is, uh, that I, I landed in Colorado and I immediately downloaded every dating app. And I'm like, (laughs) my coach had made me dance around to this song roar. And so like I had this thing for tiger. So there's a picture of a guy with a tiger and I'm like, this must be him. Is that the sign from the universe? He was like a dork. And I think he had a lot of stuff about like marijuana, which is fine. I don't judge it, but that's not what I'm looking for in a profile for my future husband. Um, so the people pleaser in me always has to make sure that I like at least cover my bases. Yeah. Part of my charm. So I'm wiping, swiping. I was like, he's here. He's here. I believe it. He's here. Cause there were, like I said, a bunch of things, coincidences. Uh-huh. So finally I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm not doing this anymore. I am missing. I was meeting a bunch of my friends from college. We were going to a football game and we were like, I'm missing out on focusing on my friends. And again, this is energy, right? Mm -hmm. Being obsessed with checking the app. And for anybody, you know, listening to the story, it could be like checking your email to see if you got a sale or any kind of attachment energy is negative energy. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm just going to focus on my friends. So we went to this bar and this guy comes up, taps me on the shoulder and asks me where the bathroom is. I'm like, I don't know. Why do pe- people keep asking? Like some girl had just asked me for the bathroom. Like, do I look like I know where the bathroom is? And I look and he looks like the young, like Leonardo DiCaprio from the Titanic where uh-huh. you're like, oh, it's Jack. Jack. Uh, so we end up chatting. The guy's name was Jack. And he was like way too young to probably have even seen the Titanic. I mean, he was in his twenties, but he was hitting on me. And I was like, now he was he does not turn out to be my husband and nothing happened to the story. But in that moment, I learned two things. One is when you put your energy back on things that you enjoy and things that you love, that's when you attract, that's when you magnetize. And the second thing was I had this expectation of this is what my niche, this is what my future husband, this is what my thing probably is going to look like. And really you get to choose It can be, I mean, I don't want to sound like a pervert looking for someone that's like half my age, which again, no judgment, no judgment. But (laughs) um, anyway, uh, (laughs) I'm like, just foot. Anyway, Uh, so, I mean, he's cute, like whatever, I'm open to it just to cover all the bases. But my point is you get to choose and it's the same thing with picking a niche. I was like, well, people are sad. And a lot of times you hear like, well, you are your ideal client, right? Like somewhere in your journey. 
And somewhere in my journey, I was sad and lonely and a victim. But somewhere in my journey, I became not that person anymore. And that new person is now my person. And so for me to be like, oh my God, I get to work. I could work with, you know, these types of people. Since then, I have had just amazing clients that I'm like, wow, this is definitely not settling. And so that, I think that's why people do settle or push away from niches. Because if I told you right now that you could have 10 Oprah Winfrey's that are trying to lose weight and they're going to pay you $50,000 for a package, I doubt you'd go like, no, I don't want a niche. I want to help everyone. You'd be like, well, okay, I could take 10 Oprah Winfrey's or whoever it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and again, it's like we said earlier, part of it is they don't want to feel salesy. They don't want to cut people out. Like, well, I want to help everybody. And you're helping nobody because you're not willing to get specific. And I really like the book title example, actually, that you gave earlier, the book title one, because, you know, I talked to so many health coaches and one of the analogies I use a lot is like saying you're a health coach is like saying you're a teacher, a teacher of what nobody's hiring you because you're a teacher. They're hiring you because they need a specific thing taught to them, or they need to know a specific piece of information. And so if you say I'm a science teacher, Are you going to cut out somebody who's looking for an English teacher? Yes. But you're going to attract the type of people that you want to work with and that you're capable of working with because you are educated in science and that's what you can help people with. And, you know, and I use the sports analogy a lot. I'm like, you saying you're a health coach is like saying you play sports. What sport do you play? You know, or I help people with sports. Well, I help people with health. I help people with sports. Well, what exactly do you, and so you've got to niche down and I think the fear is that, oh my gosh, there aren't enough people that have that problem. You know, you go into like lack and scarcity and, and some of those fears around there's nobody available that, that would pay me for that. But I like the book example that you use because I think a book title that's just about, you know, here, this book is about health. Nobody's buying it. Nobody's going to buy a book about health. But if it's like, here's a book about how to balance your hormones. Cool. The three things you need to know right now about losing weight that you're messing up in your life. Yeah, I'm going to buy that. You know, or even like, I liked the book title that you mentioned. Um, You've tried everything, but you're still not happy. If there's a way to put a high vibe spin on that, you're going to attract people. You've tried everything and you know that there's a solution. You're just not sure, you know, whatever. I'm not sitting here trying to come up with book titles, but I liked that example because I think it's another good analogy of why people need to niche down. You want people to buy the book. You want them to be interested in the book. And in order to do that, you have to tap into something that they're already interested in. Well, they also have such, I mean, people, me included, have such a short attention span that it's like, they don't want to have to pull information out of you. There was a point where I thought like, it would be cute to be like, you know, I help people with their health or I'm a a life transformation coach. I'm like even doing the whole thing like, oh, I'm a transformational comedian. Like, you know, you expect people to be like, oh, tell me more about that. People don't do that. Nobody does tell me more about that unless you're in like your therapist's office or they're trying to be interested so they can sell you something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, You have to say, I help people like, again, to use the single analogy, if you're like, I find help people find their soulmate, even in quarantine in 30 days or your money back and you're looking for you're like oh yes but if someone's like I'm a love coach you're like okay so are you gonna coach me through blocks are you gonna self-love like what kind of love are you talking about but when you're like I do this and the problem with giving that as an example is I spent so much time being like okay what do I do what do I do I do what I help people eh." and it was like also forced and yucky 
until you can like have a conversation with someone where you can't help be like, these are the people I want to help record that and then make it into like a short little sentence because that's when you're in the elevator and someone you're stuck. I don't know. People don't talk in the elevator anymore. We don't even take elevators anymore. You know, someone's like, Oh, what do you do? You're on an airplane with your mask on sitting 10 feet apart. And they're like, oh, I like your eye. <laughs> yeah, what do you do? And you're like, I help people that are stuck on an airplane wearing masks to make $500 before we land. Right. Tell me more about that. But if you're like, <laughs> you're coach. They're like, yeah. great. Peak their curiosity. Yeah. 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 And it, it really is. It's like you want to get them interested just with that one sentence, just with getting really specific about how you help people. And The other benefit to it is you want people to want to refer you or refer people to you. And that's one of the biggest things for me as a sales coach. I'm like, yes, you're the brand. You are the face of your business. Nobody cares about this business more than you. So nobody will want to sell more than you are the salesperson in your business and you've got to own that. But there's something to be said for word of mouth. And when people don't know what the hell you do because it's not clear enough to them, they don't know how to refer somebody to you. The more clear you make your messaging, not only does it help you and help your clients to understand what you do, it helps people understand how to help you, how to refer people to you and say, oh my gosh, you're having trouble with that. Like, oh my God, you have bad migraines. My friend that I know is a health coach and that's her thing that she helps people do. She helps them eliminate migraines from their life. Oh, cool. Then I know exactly who I need to refer to you. It's anybody who's suffering from chronic migraines. But if you're so busy saying, well, I'm a health coach, I can help people with migraines, but I can also help them with everything else. Well, then what should I actually send somebody to you for? Right. And that goes, I think, to the fear of like getting rejected. Be okay with the person. I think I heard one time, like, imagine that you're selling to this person's like best friend or sister. Like when you're talking to the person, you don't want them to pull out their credit card, but you want like their some person in their life too. And that's the thing. If you don't care if they say no, then you can get really specific. There's a book called Rejection Proof. And it's really funny. It's like a hundred examples of things. This guy actually has an app too. I downloaded his app. And although I don't know if he has the app anymore, but I think it's part of the book. But uh, he would give you three challenges. You pick one and you have to do it. And like, it would be great to have someone say yes. Like the first one was go somewhere and ask for a compliment. So I was like at Whole Foods (laughs) going through the checkout and I was like, um, I'm doing this thing and I'm supposed to ask for a compliment. And the lady's like, I love your hair. And then the bag boy was like, you have great eyes. And then the other lady, like she said, and I was like, oh, okay. I like this. Thank you. But the point of it was to get someone to say no, to desensitize you to it. So then I was at a networking event at the top of a bowling alley and I went down and you were supposed to ask for a discount somewhere. So I went and ordered like a lemonade and I was like, um, there was like a long line and the manager was working and he was all grumpy. And I was like, Oh my God, I got to do this because it's like eight o'clock at night. And this is my last opportunity to get my challenge done. So I was like, do you offer like a student discount? <laughs> like I'm a student. And he was like, no. And I was like, yes, I got to know. Like, you know, and the more you knows you get, the more you're like, I don't care if I tell somebody I sell this and they're like, I don't need it. You tell somebody I sell soulmates in 30 days. And someone's like, I already have my soulmate. You're like, amazing. Well, tell your friends that want 
what you have. Yeah. And I love that you said, you know, desensitizing yourself to becoming unattached to the no. And we did a challenge at the beginning of August in my group. It was called going for no. Yeah. I love that. And I just wanted everybody to go get, I said, and here's how it started. And you'll appreciate this, Rachel. I had a client who was like from one week to the next, I had told her, I want you to go have 10 conversations and I want you to invite each of these 10 people to get on a call with you. And you, I just want you to start the conversation with them. If you feel like you just want to ask them some questions on the call and you don't want to actually ask for the business, that's like, you know, we'll work on that. But I, I need you to start these 10 conversations. And I want you to ask each person what their level of interest would be in working with you. And she comes back. She's like, nobody wanted what I had. And I was like, okay, how many people did you talk to? She's like, nobody wanted it. And I'm like, no, how, how many people did you talk to? And she's like, I just don't, I just don't think anybody wants what I have. And I'm like, how many people did you talk to? She goes, everybody said no. (laughs) I said, who, what are their names? And she just kind of sat there. And I was like, you didn't talk to anybody, did you? (laughs) She goes, I know they're going to say no. And I said, oh, so are you telling me that the no would be really easy to get? She goes, well, yeah, I mean, they're going to say no. I said, perfect. By next session, I want you to go get 20 no's. And she goes, what? And I said, what? I'm confused. You just told me this would be really easy to get no's. This should be the easiest assignment I've given you since we started. Go get 20 no's. And that's all I wanted because it's not about the yes. It's not about the no. It's about starting the conversation. It's about getting people as excited as you are about what you do. It's getting people in the know of what you do so that they can help spread the word for you. It's not about a yes or a no. And the last thing you want on any call is a maybe. So get them to a yes or a no. And don't be attached to either one. And I think that's the biggest thing. Desensitize the no. Yeah. Jim Rohn, who's Tony Robbins, he has this great story where he talks about like he figured out his ratio. He needed 10 people to get three yeses. Mm-hmm. So you have three new clients, you need to talk to 10 people. Yep. And he, you know, he got to the place where he would say to them because he was so confident in what he was offering. So yep. it's not only not being afraid of selling, but being confident in what you're offering. For him, to, he would say, I need 10 people. I don't care if you're a yes or no. I just need 10 people. It doesn't matter to me. It might matter to you because you're going to get this great thing or you're not, but I just need 10 people. And I think that is kind of main thing is just like, this is what I need. And I don't want to work with people that don't want to work with me. Exactly. Exactly. Like, listen, if you don't want cool, like, and one of my things that I ask a lot on discovery calls, I'm like, you know, I mean, you and I know we've, we've done this now for long enough that like you get people to the point where they're like, you can hear that they want to say yes. And they've basically said yes with everything in their body. But they're afraid to say yes. So I'll say sometimes, you know, I'm hearing everything in you really saying that you're wanting to do this. But I'm hearing some fears. Out of curiosity, why won't you just tell me no right now? I'm pretty clear that you, you're interested, but you're afraid. Why won't you just say no? And I, th- I think it really frames for them Cause then they're like, well, but because I don't want to say no, I really want this. Then I think you have your answer. And I don't think it's about whether or not you can do it. You've just decided that you're going to do it and you're going to, you know what I mean? And so I think the maybes are the worst place to be, but the yeses and the nos are really just, they're really just opportunities to have a conversation. And if the person doesn't want to work with you, let them go. 
But I do the same thing as, as Jim Rohn, where I do that with my clients. We create a customized sales plan and everybody gets a different sales plan because it's customized. But more often than not, that's exactly what I do is I take them through. It's a giant math equation. So the math nerd high school teacher in me loves it. And it sounds like Jim's was for Jim. Like I know him on a first name basis. It sounds like Jim's uh, conversion rate was 30%. I use an industry standard of 20. I, I think it's a little bit safer just for, you know, new health coaches that are working. So we use a 20% conversion rate and I just tell them, here's how many conversations you need to go have to sign the number of clients you told me you want to sign. So we start with how much money do you want to make? If you want to make $2,000 in a month and you have a $500 package, that's four packages that you need to sell for 500. So that's four people you need to say yes on a 20% conversion rate. What does that mean for the number of people? You know what I mean? And so I just reverse engineer it and it's such a cool way to do it. Cause then they know how many conversations they need to have. Does yeah. it always work out to be a perfect 20%? No, but like, that's why we tweak things and that's, you know, but I like that that's how he looked at it. Cause that's really what it's about. Also Jim Rohn, like Tony Robbins mentor, like the best of the best 30%. Cause he, when you said, well, I do 20%, I'm like, yeah, but this was Jim Rohn. Like you expect him to have some kind of yeah, amazing 9%. I would have believed it. It's only 10% more than yeah. the industry standard. And yeah. he's like the best. So it really is a numbers game, you know? It, it really is. And I, I love that that is his, like the other thing that that says to me is somebody who is as successful as him. Still, what I heard from that story, what did he operate with? The basics, the fundamentals. You just go have conversations. That's it. Let me go talk to 10 people and three of them will sign. If I talk to 10 people, three of them will sign up. Like he wasn't doing anything fancy. And I'm sure like everybody does by the end of their career, they're not the ones who are in the sales calls. They're not the one, but like, ultimately that's how everybody starts. That's really what it is. It's doing the basics over and over again on repeat and doing it to a high degree till you see the, the results that you're looking to see. Yeah. Cause people need to know what you're selling in order to buy it from you. And the best way to do that is through you know, a conversation. And so if they don't know, they can't buy. So. Well, and I keep saying there's nobody more lit up than you about what you're selling and what you're doing. And that needs to come across in every convert. You can't go up to somebody and be like, well, I'm a health coach and expect them to get excited and yeah. their excitement to carry you through. You have to be lit up about what you're talking about and get behind what you do and come into every conversation with that energy. And if you're not lit up about it, then you may be better rethink what you're doing or, or who, who you're doing it for and reevaluate. Is that really what you want to do? And, and maybe there's some mindset stuff there and some confidence stuff there that, you know, that's just internal work that you need to work on. But ultimately there's nobody in this world that's going to be more excited than about what you're selling than you. Yeah. No, and, and if you don't know what you're selling, nobody's going to know what you're selling. Like if you can't explain it, I, when you're telling that story about your client, I was remembering when I first started, my target market was female attorneys, unhappy female attorneys. There's like a lot of, of them. But when I did my market research and had to talk to them on the phone, even though as an attorney, I hired a coach and paid her, they, I cried. I, I literally cried after because I was like, oh my God. I mean, it was like, $500 for like a 90 day package. I mean, when I broke it down, I'm like, this, this is like $20 an hour, what you're telling me here. You know, it was just like very disheartening. Hard to hear. I mean, it was a, like I had the best name and I had the best concepts and I had the whole thing and they need my help. They didn't want my help. They like, couldn't comprehend it. They're, 
I mean, not everyone, obviously, but like destroy your fun, bitter birch, like they're negative by their nature because they're in this terrible like environment and job. The struggle there. I mean, I like, I'm not going to diagnose what they're, but yeah, they're addicted to the struggle on some level and they're, that's their familiar place. That's what they know. I mean, it sounds like you lived there for a while. I lived there for a while. I know I was really miserable in what I was doing as a high school teacher. And it just got to the point where I was, the discomfort was so familiar. It was scary to think of stepping out of it, even though I wanted a better life. I wanted to feel better. It was like, that's what I knew. Well, also you attach your like value, not only as a person, but I couldn't, I don't know how many times I Googled, like, what else can you do with a law degree? You know, what else can you, it's kind of like, you can't even imagine. So to hire somebody, I remember a couple attorneys, you know, I was like, oh, I'm a life coach. Like, I don't need a life coach. I need a success coach or a coach. You know, it was like semantics and stuff. And yeah. so again, a lot of times it's scary to niche because you're looking at all these like worst case scenarios. But if you imagine like you get to pick not just an ideal client by how we describe it and like Marie Forleo covers it in B-School, but an ideal client, like if they just dropped out of the sky, like 10 of them, you could write like an ad for your perfect client, like do a vision board, who they are, make that, you know, your niche. Or, you know, I have a good friend who is a infertility coach. That's a type of health coach. She's an infertility coach and she knows this is what she does. And I recently had a woman come to me because we had done a podcast together and uh, she's like, I want to coach like that, but I'm pregnant. It's like, you can't work with her because you're pregnant. You know, she's not up at night going, Oh no, I lost out on someone who already is pregnant. She is like living the dream knowing that she's helped over 60 women over the age of 40 get pregnant you know, naturally. And so like that propels her. So niching is awesome and fun and great when you get to like sky's the limit niche instead of settling niche. And that's exactly it. It's settling versus choosing. Like what would make this more fun and pleasurable for me and who would I want to work with? And, you know, I, and I like your idea of like, if 10 clients ideal were to drop from the sky right now, who are they? What would they look like? What would they be like? And, you know, and it's something that that I've learned from our coach, from Gina, it wasn't just the ideal client that you needed to know. It's what's your client requirement checklist. And I teach that to my clients now. I'm like, it's not about just attracting somebody that has the problem that you want to solve. What else are some requirements that you like boundaries, some, some things that you want to put in place for the person you want to attract that has that problem. So are they coachable? Are they going to show up for your sessions on time? Do they respect you? Are they going to listen to you? Or are they going to battle you on everything that you say? Do they have the money to pay? And are they happy to do it? Are they going to begrudgingly, oh, here's my money, you know? And we get to choose all of those things. We get to choose what we want on either side of each of those things. And that made such a difference to me as well. Who do I want to attract? Who do I want to work with? I even have that. Like I have mine now when you sign up for Discovery Call, it's actually called Discovery Call and Interview. And I have them like, list thing, you know, like rank areas of their life on a scale of one to 10. I have them say, are you ready to invest in expert level coaching? You know, like yes or no. And then I have, do you want to join the mailing list? And I had this woman the other day say no. And I was like, I don't know. To me, that was just kind of like, yep. Dipping her toe in the water. You know what I mean? Like I don't really even send out newsletters, but the fact that it was like a no was kind of like, okay. And then we had the call and I was like, yep. 
but what you already knew to be true. Yeah, exactly. I do that same thing. I ask a couple of questions on, you know, the questionnaire before I get on the call with them. And then my favorite question to ask on every call that I've ever been on is I pre-frame and I do what I need to, you know, we have our little chit chat and then I say, here's how the call is going to go. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And you know, I'm going to ask you some questions, blah, 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 blah. Before we get started, I have a question. What would make this call a success for you? I know what I'm looking to do. I'm going to interview you. I'm going to see if this is a good fit. What would make this call a success for you? And some people are like, oh, I just kind of want to check out and see what this is all about. Or one of my questions in, in the questionnaire is, have you gone to my website? Do you know what my packages are? <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to get you on a phone call just so you can find out the, the price of my packages everywhere. Go look at it. I'm not hiding it. And I'm not going to spend time with you just so you can find out the price. And if you want to know that right off the bat, if somebody's like, well, I'm just looking for your prices. Cool. Go to my website. Yeah. And I don't treat it. And I'm not mad about it. I still have the, I still have the call with them. I still give them whatever their customized sales plan is. I serve them at my highest level. And I know that that doesn't mean that that person doesn't want to work with me. It just means they're not in a space right now where they're ready to. And maybe they don't know me well enough. Maybe they need to get to know me better, whatever. I'm not attached either way to the outcome. I just know energetically where I need that call to go to make it a success by finding out what's the priority for them as well. Right. No, I love that. I might need to make some changes to my, um, there you go. <laughs> just in case there's anyone, because my biggest struggle, like the thing that I would like pray for and I would pay for coaching over and over again was like, what's my message? What do I do? What's my niche? I could not figure it out for the longest time. And I already said, it's like this kind of two year to two week, like now is the new later, no excuses. What is that like big hairy goal? Let's go for it right now. There's no time like the present. Yeah. But it wasn't until my second client of all my clients did this whole two year, literally two years to two week crunch. They had a like dream vacation home that they wanted to buy. And it was always two years away. And I was like, no, how about we created a plan and literally within two weeks they were in escrow. And now they're redoing it and they're like, totally. I mean, I love watching all the posts because I'm like, we did this. I feel like a part of it. But this niche did not come to me until recently. And the first story I talked about, my first client, this showed up with my very first client, right? When she said, I have a two-year plan to quit my job. And then she quit by the, by the next call. It was there the whole time. I just couldn't see it. And so I had so much frustration about trying to find my niche and I was, I had so much resistance and I was frustrated and I was annoyed and I was like, I hate it and I don't want to do it. And I don't, I will, I literally was like, this will never happen for me because I believed that every single one of my clients, because I did take anyone had a different result. I was like, everybody's different. It's customized. I don't know. Everybody has a different result. I can't tell you they're unhappy and now they're happy. They're stressed and now they're not. So literally relook at those client success stories where you're like, God, that was, that was fun working with that person. Or I feel like a badass when I got off the calls with that person and like look for little clues because I mean, literally it was there from the very first client, but I just didn't see it until this second one, like with the same pattern showed up. And I don't think it would have, I would have needed to clients to get there, but that's what it took. So just. I like that you brought that up too, because I think that's, that's really a good message to make sure that we get across, which is you learn by doing. 
And a lot of people want to hold themselves back from starting. Well, I've got to figure out my niche. I've got to do my website. I've got to do this. I've got like, I hear so many excuses all day for why people can't start. And that's one of the biggest ones. And I've been in coaching programs long enough now to see that when I've been in that program with the same people for a while, you start to see trends. And and this is not me placing judgment on other people. I've certainly had my own limitations as well, but I've seen where after a year of being in the same community with that person, which by the way, we're all getting the same, the same coaching, the same direction, the same, everything. We have access to all the same information. They're still on the struggle bus of like, what's my message? Who's my niche? Who do I work with? Well, you've made yourself available for being confused. You've made yourself available for not making a decision and you are attracting more of the same. And I think, like you said, the resistance to it is actually what keeps it in your space. It's what keeps it in your energy. And so many times people are like, well, I can't start until I get my niche. No, that's like saying I can't ride a bike until I learn how to ride it. What the hell? How does that happen? Yeah. How do you learn how to ride the bike? I would have come up with this particular niche that I'm like super excited about if I wasn't. You weren't doing. Yeah. There's no part of me that would have been like, what about this? This sounds fun. No, it had to actually happen in front of me. One for me to have faith that I could actually do it. You know, it's like, I'm not coaching any. I will tell my clients that want to lose weight. I'm like, I am not the coach for you. Like, yep. I have not figured it out for myself. I sure as hell am not going to know what to do with you. So yep. there are a billion people out there that can help you, but it's not me. But like, let's say through all this, somebody followed some of my health advice and like got pregnant or cured some delays or whatever. I would feel pretty confident being like, I, I like that. I think I'm going to do that. Yep. But like you said, it's like trial by fire. You got to like jump in it and like do it. Totally. Trial by fire and all the, you know, I was, I was just going to tell this quick story because I thought it was funny. I had a client not too long ago and she was like really nervous about live video. And I was like, okay, I want you in between now and next session to do a live video. And, you know, we had decided on the topic and what it would be about. And she goes, okay, I know I really need to do this. What tips do you have for me about how to, how to get better at live video? I said, do live video. She goes, no, no, no. I know. But like, what tips do you have for like, how I can get better at doing it. I said, do live video. And she kind of looked at me and I was like, listen, if you ask me right now how to ride a bike, I'm not going to tell you to go read a bunch of manuals. I'm going to tell you to get on the bike and figure out what you're not good at, figure or figure out what you are good at. And then we'll tweak it and go from there. But you're not going to learn unless you're doing. Exactly. You know, and I think that's the biggest thing. Quit waiting. Nobody is getting healthier because you're sitting around working on your website. Nobody's getting healthier because you are torturing yourself over not having a niche. And you sitting around twiddling your thumbs going, I don't have a niche, I don't know what to do, is you being in princess mode and available for being confused and available for not moving forward and available for staying stuck. And nobody's getting healthier when that happens. Yeah, the more you can focus not on yourself and at other people, and it's funny because we think that we're like being self-conscious and we're focused on other people, but we're really focused on ourselves. And if we focus on how we can help other people, if you don't think that you know what you're doing, then don't charge crazy amounts. Start, I mean, like I started, my prices have whatever five times is. As they should, as they should. And when I started, I'm like, I'm just playing around. I mean, I posted on Facebook to the client that just bought her dream house, actually we've been working together for a long time, just renewing. And I said, Hey, if anyone has a friend that might be interested, because I was like, I'm not working with my friends. And she just bought the package because it was pretty inexpensive back in the day. And she's referred me probably, I would say 20 clients at least. Wow. And it was just like, just start, just start. start. And 
play around. And if you don't have faith that in your, what you're doing, then that's the problem, not the niche. Do you know what I mean? Like just go with, they say like your hair on fire, believing whatever you can do. It, again, for me being a health coach, it wasn't like I was curing cancer and I wasn't like lose. It was like, are you stressed and overwhelmed and don't want to feel that way anymore? I can help you with that. That I can help you with. Yep. And that I feel good about. And that's what I, I want to help you with. But then again, now I'm attracting a bunch of stressed, overwhelmed people. And it got to the point where I'm like, I want to work with happy. People. I'm over this. I don't want to help them anymore. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly it. It's like, and, and you know, we have to also learn by doing and learn through contrast. You know, you're not going to know who you want to work with until you know who you don't want to work with. And so a lot of times, you know, I like to say a smooth sea never made a skillful sailor. It's going to take some of your challenging clients, some of your problem clients to really teach you, oh, I don't want to do that again. I'm not going to, not going to take anybody on like that. And then you start to understand who you really do want to work with and you start to attract more of that. And so we've, we've just got to learn by doing, and we've got to be okay with not, there is no such thing as being perfect. And it's really just holding it. Like our coach says, perfectionism is for poor people. If you want to stay stuck, try to be perfect. It's not going to get you anywhere. And nobody's getting healthier when you do that. 100%. I think that's the biggest thing. So this has been amazing, Rachel. What, let me ask you this. What piece of advice maybe would you want to leave all of these amazing health coaches with from all of your experience in the coaching world over the past close to 10 years? Keep working on yourself. Just keep, you want to get better at sales. You want to get better at coaching. You want to get better at relationships, work on yourself. That is the best investment. I personally have spent over $100,000, seriously, on personal coaching. I don't regret one single dollar. You can always make more money. Money's a renewable resource. Work on your wealth consciousness. That's working yep. on yourself. Just keep reading books, reread books, take courses, keep working on yourself because everything will get better as you do that. Yeah. I love that. Keep pushing that edge, keep growing, keep expanding. And, you know, and I think just one more thing, and I know you know this, just be in reality with the fact that being an entrepreneur is a self-development journey. Yeah. It is going to crack you wide open. You are going to learn a lot of things about yourself. And to the degree that you are available for that expansion, for those lessons, for that learning, you will continue to evolve. You will be of higher service to your clients and you will wash, rinse, repeat, keep doing it over and, and see yourself through, but really understanding that it's going to take a lot of you kind of learning about yourself in order to move forward. Well, and don't take yourself so seriously. I mean, one of my coaches said to me, coaching may just be part of your healing journey. And it's like, this may not be my final destination. I mean, I have like a bunch of other things and ideas and whatever that I'm working on. And it's like, if you spend all this time worried about making sales in some entrepreneurial business that may not be the end all be all you're missing, you know, the Ferris Bueller, like life passes you by stop and look around obsessing about getting a sale or getting rejected or whatever. It's so, it's so unimportant in the grand scheme of things. And it's so holding us back from really showing up as our fullest expression of ourselves. Yeah. You know, I love that. So where can everybody find you and your hilarious, awesome personality? Where do you show up online and where can they find you? So I have my podcast, The Transformation Maven, and it is on all the places that you may find podcasts. 
and Instagram. I'm obsessed with Instagram. I'm the Rachel Birch. It's the Rachel Birch, but it's one E, the Rachel Birch. Um, Those are my kind of, I like, I like stories are fun. I like doing stories on Instagram. Have you done reels yet? No. Well, I did one the first day just by myself. And then when I saw that it actually went into your feed and not just your stories, which was gone in 24 hours, I deleted it. I'm like, no, (laughs) I didn't know. I'm like, this is what happens when like an old person tries to learn, learn a new technology. And I'm like, hello, hello. It was just like the, it was, I saved it for like my own laughs, but um, (laughs) no, nobody is getting the reels yet. So any, any, anything else you want to share with us? Is there anything you want to, that you have coming up that you want people to know about? I have, I have my group program, Manifest Your Epic Life, which I'm very excited about. Two weeks. Yes, pretty much. It's an eight week program, but maybe six weeks of preparing to collapse into two weeks. There you go. Uh, and I don't really have any comedy. I've been invited to do comedy, but I'm like Zoom comedy. It doesn't feel the same. Pan comedy. You're just like waiting. Crickets yeah. Laugh. So. Yeah. Um, the book will be coming out at some oh since you guys are it's i'm doing the program through iin they have a pretty inexpensive book writing book writing program so not like a plug for them because i haven't written the book yet but just since since you guys are some of you are probably in their system i mean it's legit so yeah. okay that's that's exciting yeah well, good luck on the book writing process i'm sure i'll hear hear all about it i can't wait and uh this was just awesome. I appreciate everything you shared. This was such a powerful presentation on sales and and energy and what it takes to really draw in the people that we are meant to work with. And I appreciate everything you shared with us. Well, I hope it was helpful. I did. Here's a final trick before the call. You know, we didn't prepare. We we didn't talk about what we were really going to talk about. And I used to get nervous about that, but I was like, God, just let what I say be of service to someone. And that's good enough. And So setting that like micro intention of any interaction you have to like be of service or make someone laugh or make someone's day, or it can be selfish. Like let me make a sale or let me feel good about myself or let me come up with a new, whatever setting that micro intention and hitting the intention also builds your confidence against that other stuff. So you're not focused on the rejection when you're like focused on, yeah. Being service or whatever. So then you're not worried about the the rejection. Yeah, I, I like that. Be of ser- I, I always say, how can I be of service today? And I think it's the fastest way to take yourself out of like any kind of funk that you're in. This isn't about me. How can I be of service? Who can well, I help? Well, some days you're not. Again, if you're like an overgiver, I tend to be. Some yeah. days, if someone says that to me, I'm like, that meh, meh. Well, sometimes being of service is me just going and getting a massage. Right. Because do I show up better when I feel better? Yes. So and how can I be of service? Take care of me. Yeah. You paid a masseuse. I mean, exactly. that was the thing. I, this whole, like my Epic program that I just launched, the woman was like, how many people do you want to be of service to? And I was like, well, I mean, I could be of service through my podcast. Like, you know, it was like this whole conversation around service. And then it kind of came back around and it was like, I, I do want to be of service. Some days I don't feel like I'm in the mood for it, but that's why I just wanted to say, it's okay if your point is like, I want to make somebody feel good because that makes me feel good. Whatever it is, it's cool, but focus on your little micro intention and everything else is rosy. So hopefully someone got something out of this. If not, I did. So 
you. This was awesome. I always enjoy talking to you, Rach, and I really appreciate you being a part of our community tonight and taking our conversation into this group and being of service to all these wonderful, amazing health coaches that we have in here. So thank you so, so much. My pleasure. Awesome. All right. Good night, everybody. We'll see you all soon. All right. That is a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And by the way, if you like this, subscribe because there's more good stuff coming your way. Also, please leave a review. It would mean so, so much to me and it would help others who are considering listening to this podcast to understand how amazing it is. And while you're at it, why not share with a friend? And by the way, one last thing, I would love to hear from you. I would love to connect with you. So you got a couple options. You can check me out on Instagram at Healthy Steps with Nicole. You can find me in my private Facebook group, Nicole Sales Superstars, or you can go to my website, healthystepswithnicole.com. I would love to hear from you and I can't wait.